Hope everybody's doing well. It's good to be here with you guys again. Many of you uh, we know and we call you friends. And uh, the other people we don't know, we would like to call you friends. But it's good to be here with everybody uh, here today. Um, my name is Stephen Willis. Um, I'm here with my wife, India, and my daughter, Jillian. I'm so glad that they're here with us. That's Pastor Cricket's oldest sister. And I have some stories I can tell you if you have time. Pastor Cricket's my brother-in-law, and we go way, way back. And uh, so I'm so thankful to be a part of uh, the Abel's uh, clan and family and the Victory Church. I started attending Victory when I was 12 years old. And uh, that was back when TV was black and white. No, it was a long time ago. I turned 50 this year. And uh, um, aren't you thankful for, uh, Pastor Cricket was saying that it's been a couple of years since we've been here, and it is. Um, I'm thankful that uh, Pastor Cricket and Jennifer are who God's called them to be. You guys are blessed to have wonderful shepherds that love you and lead you uh, in the right way. And I'm thankful for the opportunity to be here and, and share with you guys today. I don't know if you know it, uh, but you, you you have a pastor who's one of the one of the best speakers and preachers that you'll hear, and uh, you're truly blessed uh, by that. And so, uh, I guess it's been uh, it has been a while since we've been here. Uh, but one thing I think we could all say if we came together and we talked face to face is that uh, life maybe hasn't been easy and maybe life hasn't been everything we thought that it was going to be. But one thing we would agree on is that God is faithful, that God is faithful. And I'm so glad that when nothing else in this world remains the same, our father remains the same yesterday, today and forever. And heaven and earth may pass away, and it will one day, but His Word remains forever, right? And so, as as we build our lives, and we build our marriages, and we build our homes, and we build our futures on the rock of His Word and the rock of Jesus Christ, how many of you know that no matter what's going on around us, and it's been crazy, hasn't it been crazy? This is the first time I've been in a church building in a long time. We're still having church out on the parking lot, uh, and that's okay, you know. Um, wherever we are, when we come together in His name, He's here in the midst of us, right? And so we build our we build our lives on the rock of Jesus, and He carries us all the way through. You know, life is a journey, right? Life is a journey. I, I love what Pastor Cricket said. None of us have it all together, and none of us have it all figured out. You know, years ago, my dad's been... Uh, pastoring and ministering for right at 60 years. Uh, my father-in-law, Pastor Jerry Abels, I'm not sure exactly, but he's been at Victory and Camden, what, 45 plus years? Yeah, 46 years. And so kind of come from that heritage of ministers. And I remember when the Lord began dealing with me about uh, getting into ministry, you know, um, I, uh, I was so hesitant and I was because, you know, I was like, you know, I, I thought that if they had the microphone, Whatever they talked about, they had mastered in life, right? If I'm talking about love, man, they're, they're perfect in walking in love. If they're talking about marriage, man, they're, they have the perfect marriage. And so when I begin to think about my own life, when we're real with ourselves, it's like, right, I don't have it all figured out. And I couldn't think of anything in my life that I had down 100%. And I was like, I can't do that. You know, God, I couldn't do that. And I remember 
But one day my dad told me this. I was talking to him about this. I was in my early 20s. And he said, Stephen, he said, uh, we don't get up there. We don't preach ourselves. We preach Jesus, right? Jesus is the answer. So as Pastor Cricket said, none of us, just because you have a microphone doesn't mean you have it all together. None of We need each other and we need God. And the longer I live, right, the more gray hair I get, Cody, right? And I even bring reading glasses along just in case I might need them. And uh, how many of you would, uh, how many of you would admit that you've had to take a picture of a menu or something and enlarge it so you could read it. Let me see your hand. Okay, I just want to know I was in good company, right? Thank God for smartphones, right? But um, we need each other and we need God. And the longer I live, the more I understand and the more I realize the most important thing we have in life is each other. It's relationship. And it's it's relationship with God and it's relationship with one another. And so... uh, uh, it's it's good to be here. It's good to see what God is doing in the Victory Church in El Dorado and beyond. And so uh, thank you for allowing us to be here. This is part of my family. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I have uh, um, uh, we have two sons. One uh, is a senior at Oral Roberts University in Tulsa. And then we have a second son who's the middle child. He's a junior at Grand Canyon University out in Phoenix. And so we're kind of spread out right now, uh, but we're, we're blessed. And so could we open just in a quick word of prayer? And we're going to jump into what I feel like the Lord wants me to share this morning. Father, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. God, we thank you for your presence in this place. We thank you for the awesome time of worship that we've had together as a family this morning. We thank you, God, that you're doing things in each and every one of our lives here today, God. Every man and woman and boy and girl, young man, young woman that's in this sanctuary today, God, they've made a choice, God, to make you first. And God, I pray, God, that you would reward them in special ways today, God, with your presence, God, and with your goodness, God. God, I thank you that you let them know today how much you care for them and how much you're for them and how much you're on their side. And God, that your presence is here because you want to be here with them. God, we love you and we invite you to have your way. God, in the next few moments, reveal yourself to us. Just open up your hands like this. This isn't about a preacher or this is about his presence. So open up your hands like this, like you would be waiting on someone to place something in your hands and just just tell the Lord, just say, I want, I want to receive what you have for me today. Even if I don't hear anything uh, Stephen has to say, I want to hear what your Holy Spirit has for me today. Words of life, words of growth, words of change. Blow your wind into my heart and make me more than I am in this moment. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. You know, I, uh, when Pastor Cricket asked me to, to share, um, I was just asking the Lord, what it would be that he would want me to share today. And so um, what, I, what I feel like that, that the Lord, you know, at the beginning of every calendar year in the church community, people begin to say what this year is going to hold. It's kind of funny sometimes, too, to rewind. Maybe go back and watch YouTube videos of what people were saying that 2020 was going to hold, right? You can hear all kinds of different things. 
but um, sometimes they're on and sometimes they're not on. But my point, my, my point is um, we need to be careful and we need to be guarded about the voices that we listen to and follow in life. Uh, the scripture tells us that in a multitude of counselors, there is safety. But, you know, during this season, during this season with so much unrest and so, so much information and so, so much seemingly division and all of that. One of the things that the Lord really spoke to me was be very narrow in who it is that you give your ear to. Be careful about who you listen to because who you listen to is, is the gateway to our heart, right? And so uh, there were so many things being said, you know, prophetic words and this and that. And the nation is this and all the politics and all the economy and all the COVID and, and all of those things. But what I felt like the Lord said to me in that was two things. One of them was make sure that you anchor yourself to people that you have long respected and trusted and they have a proven track record in ministry. Because you know what YouTube will do to you, you know what Facebook will do to you, is if you click on one one thing, it's going to recommend something else to you. And before you know it, you can be way down a rabbit hole listening to somebody saying something you might want to hear, but it may not be truth. And we have to guard, the Bible says, above all else. Everybody say, above all else. Above all else. And that, that means above all else, it says, guard your heart. Guard your heart. And this is a season. This is the this is the information era. Information. I read I can't I can't quote you the right numbers, but it was so amazing. The uh, the uh, the amount of information you remember way back when uh, the only information was I, I think about it kind of in the caveman days or whatever. You know, there wasn't a lot to know, you know, maybe how to start a fire, you know, maybe how to kill a kill an animal or whatever. But what in the beginning, it took like. 700 years for all of the known information in the world to double. But then after that, it went to be like 500 years and then 300 years. And then it took like 100 years for all the information to double. Now, all of the information in the world is doubling at a rate of about 72 hours. All known information in the world is doubling. What I'm saying is, is there's so much out there. The Bible says, above all else, we're to guard our heart because out of our heart flow the issues of life. And when we just let anything in and we let any voice in, and if we let too many voices in, how many of you know it doesn't lead to a good place because the Bible has already told us that we're to guard our heart. Listen to your pastor. If you don't know who to listen to, ask your pastor. Who would be good for me to listen to on the end times? Who would be good to listen to about, uh, you know, about faith or whatever? Not every voice is a right voice. And not every voice is a voice that we need to be taking, need to be taking in. But so surround yourself with wise, wise counsel. But one of the things the Lord began to deal with me was I love, I love to learn. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a lifelong student. And then when I couldn't be a student anymore, I became a, a teacher. And I was teaching in college and teaching in church. I love to learn. And so I love to listen to the next podcast. And I love to listen to pastors and preachers and, and leadership and all of those things. And I like to listen to the next sermon. And I like to read the next article. And uh, I found my, myself in a place uh, uh, last fall where uh, I, the Lord spoke to me one morning. And I was feeling unfulfilled. I was feeling not at peace. And I was thinking, I just got to find the, the right sermon to listen to. So I'm scrolling. I take the next one, next one. The Lord told me this. He stopped me and he spoke to me and he said, Stephen, information doesn't equal intimacy. 
Information doesn't equal intimacy. You have a whole lot of information, but the thing that you're leaving out is listening to my voice for you. My voice for you. Now, I'm not saying, I mean, I was listening to the right people and they had a lot of good sermons and I'm not saying don't do that because I will continue to do that. But the thing we got to be careful for is that we don't substitute something else or someone else for the thing that matters the most. And we have direct access. And what I want to talk to you this morning for a few minutes about is we have an invitation from our Father in Heaven to be with Him and to hear His voice and to walk with Him. And how many of you know that whatever He says is life? Whatever he says, uh, Scripture says it's spirit and it's life. And everything he says will never return void. But it always accomplishes what he sends it forth to do. Whenever he speaks, it's the right word at the right time in the right place. And when he speaks a word, it creates something that has never, ever been. Because he can speak a word and cause planets to come into existence. He can say, let there be light. And he only needs to say it one time. And the light continues to shine. And he can do the same thing in your life and my life if we will give our ear and give our heart to the Father How many of you know there's no substitute for that in our life? So the word that I felt like the Lord told me about 2021 was, it's a very unusual year for me because generally I'm listening to what everybody else is saying about what 2021 is going to be like. And I think there's wisdom in that, listening to the right people. But I really don't know what everybody else is saying about 2021 because he asked me not to listen to everybody else. And he said, for me, this was a year to come near. That this was a year to come near. Come near to Him. And don't substitute. How many of you have sugar substitutes? How many of you equal, sweet and low, whatever, you know? I'm just telling you, it's just not as good as sugar. I mean, it's just my opinion. I drink Coke Zero now, but you can you can try all these different, the pink packet, the blue packet, the yellow packet, you know, whatever, but it's still not as good as that white, pure cane sugar to me. Now, I know none of it's really good for you, but my point is this, is there is no substitute for a living, personal relationship with God, you and Him. Listen, He knows your name. He knows how many hairs are on your head. He says there's not a sparrow that falls to the ground that he doesn't take notice of. He, not only does he know what we're going through, he cares about what we're going through. And he already has an answer ready and waiting. And he has the power to change it. But he does not force himself into our life. Jesus said this. He's like, uh, Wait, what are the what are those things that you can put on the uh, the door now, Pastor Cricket? That has the camera and it hooks up to the Wi-Fi, and you can look at. Them? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I think about that. We're in modern technology, right? And it's like you can see who's at at the door, uh, even before they knock, right? Um, and and uh, but Jesus said in Revelation three, He said, "Behold, I stand at the door and knock." That's the door of our heart, right? That's not just a one-time thing. It's not just accept me as your Lord and Savior. It is that. He gives us that opportunity to follow Him and make Him the Lord of our life. But He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if you will open the door, could He kick the door in? 
Could he come in if he wanted to? He has the ability to do whatever he wanted to, wants to, but he has protocol and he has things in place and he says, this is how it's going to work. He said, I stand at the door of your heart and knock and if you'll open the door, I'll come in. I'll come in, I'll come in, I'll come in and I'll sit down with you and I'll have dinner with you. That is personal. That is relational. That is real. That's getting all up in our lives. And what I want to talk to you about a little bit this morning is the reasons why we don't come near. See, all throughout history from the beginning of time, from the beginning of time, God has been about having a relationship with his creation. Excuse me just a second. From the beginning in Genesis, you can see when he created Adam and Eve, what did he tell us in his word that he did on a daily basis? He came and looked for them and he came and walked with them on a daily basis. Thank you. He walked with them on a daily basis. He was a relational God. But what we have been very good at doing down through history is taking that relationship and perverting it into religion. See, he never told us to build a religion. He never told us to establish denominations. What he said for us to do was to abide in his presence. He came from the beginning to establish a protocol of living with mankind and having a relationship with him. And at the same time, Because it's so important. It's vital. It's the foundation. It's the only thing that makes this thing work with God. It's to be in relationship with Him and be in His presence. At the very same time, the enemy of God and the enemy of you and I, who hates God and therefore He hates His creation so much, at the very same time begin to work an opposite plan. And the opposite plan was the same garden that was perfect and the same garden that was established to fulfill Adam and Eve and to provide a place of fellowship and communion and and, and a relationship between a father God and his children. It's the same place that the serpent came in and began to whisper lies and began to distort and pervert what was truth. In order to get Adam and Eve to believe something less than God's best for their life. And what he told them was, God's not really as good as he puts himself out there to be. Right? If he was really that good, would he be withholding that tree over there from you? And he began to sow seeds of doubt and unbelief that began to take root between Adam and Eve and what, how they saw God and how they felt about God. And it began to affect their relationship with him to the point that it changed their relationship with him. So Adam and Eve obviously did what you and I would do, right? Have we ever blamed them, right? You know, if Eve just wanted to eat that up. You know, Does anybody ever wonder where Adam was at when she was dealing with the devil? Ever thought about that? But they did what any man or woman would have done in their situation. We know that because man has fallen. We're the created, we're not the creator. And that happened, and what happened? They, they began to believe something about God that they had never believed before, and it brought division, it brought separation between them and their relationship with God. What did they do? 
they went and hid, right? And so many times in life, that's how we live the Christian life. They were the created. They were in relationship with God. He came looking for them, but they were hiding. They didn't want to come near, right? Because they now had a belief about God that wasn't true. And it was that belief and that perversion and those misconceptions that they had about God that was keeping them from wanting to come near His presence. So they hid, and not only did they... Uh, create distance between themselves and God, then they begin to cover. Oh, come on now. In the church, we are great at the masquerade ball, are we not? We're good at getting all dressed up and making people think we've got it all together. But I love a pastor that will say, I don't have it all together. And let me tell you this morning, I don't have it all together. But I know one who does. And I, don't, I know who, one who loves me enough to be with me and help bring me to a place where the broken places of my life, he's not mad at me about, he's not ashamed of me for, but he will step into my life and he will help me put the pieces back together. It's a year to come near. The, the title of the talk this morning was, is A Standing Invitation. An invitation, we've all written them out and sent them out, or you've received an invitation. An invitation is all about uh, uh, inviting you to something, right? Or inviting someone. You, you send an invitation to someone to let them know that you want them to come and be a part of something that's meaningful to you in your life. It's a graduation. It's a birthday. It's an anniversary. There's a reason why it's a, it's a uh, baby shower. I'm inviting you to come and share this with me. And I'm telling you where it's going to take place. I'm going to tell you when it's going to happen. I'm going to tell you uh, what you can bring and all those things. But how many of you know that invitations are more than informational invitations are also relational. Okay, because you don't just take out or you're not supposed to just take. Now, I, I do know uh, some some kids that were in high school that uh, when it came to graduation, they just got the phone book out and just started sending invitations to everybody because why well, they just wanted a bunch of gifts. Right. But the right way of sending an invitation is you're inviting someone that you're already in relationship with and you want to share something with them that's meaningful and important in your life. And so an invitation to come and come between 6.30 and 8 or 4 and 5 and there's going to be this event. But the name of my message this morning was a standing invitation because the thing we have to remember and know is that from the beginning of time, we have a God who's issued us a standing invitation to be in his presence. And the definition for a standing invitation, I think it'll be on the screen, is this. It's an invitation that's offered that remains indefinitely in effect and can be accepted at any time. We have an invitation from God. This is a standing invitation that says, <clears throat> you're not just welcome sometimes, or between this time and that time, or not just on Sunday morning. And I, <clears throat> I'm not inviting you to come and be with me or be around me just when you have it all together, or when you've conquered this or that, or when you've done steps one, two, and three. I want you to know that I'm inviting you to be in my presence every moment of every hour, of every day, of every week. And I know who you are. I accept who you are. I am on your side and I am for you. The invitation remains open. It's never closed. The invitation has always been come to me. 
Come where I am, because if you come where I am, you will get what you need to become who it is I want you to be. Be holy, for I am holy. Man, it's like that was such a weighty burden on me for so many years. Do you know what I'm talking about? Who could be holy? I can't live up to be holy. The prayers of a righteous man availeth much. Well, I guess my prayers don't matter at all, because I know I'm not righteous. Do you all know what I'm talking about? The enemy's saying... Oh, do you, you're not righteous. Your prayers must not be availing very much at all, right? I grew up in a minister's household. I grew up in church. Me and my wife, Pastor Cricket, our parents were ministers. And so we didn't get an early on choice about whether or not we were going to go to church. Honestly, I think I missed a Sunday until I got out of my house, maybe three or four times in my lifetime. And most of those, many of those years was in a, a small, a small Baptist church with wooden pews and no cushions, none. And I sat on the front row right there because my mom had to get to the organ and my dad stood in the pulpit, right? And I grew up on a church pew and I grew up in church. And I know what it's like to sit on the front row and be there and have your dad stand at the front and say, if anybody's got anything in your life that you need to make right with God, walk the aisle. I'm glad we don't do that anymore, by the way. Walk the aisle and come up here in front of everybody because everybody out there is going to stone you, right? Judge you. Try to figure out what it is that you did wrong, right? Let's, Let's be churchy here, right? And to sit there and think from a child to a teen, from a teen to um, a Bible school student, from a Bible school student to a person in ministry that I had to portray to everyone around me and to the God in heaven that I had it all together. And I couldn't own the fact that I was broken and that I needed Him in my life. And I wished I could have known many, many years ago that God didn't come to establish religion, but he came to have a relationship with fallen humanity. He knows my name. He knows my frailties. He knows my weakness. And yet he thinks I'm a rock star. When God is for me, who or what can be against me? We feel so unworthy. We feel like we need to Run and hide. Come near? Why would I want to come near? Because if I come near, I'm going to feel judged. If I come near, I'm going to feel condemned. If I come near, I'm going to, I'm going to incur the wrath or the anger of a holy and an almighty God who is so displeased with the fact that I haven't done it all right. Listen, guys, that's not the story of the gospel. That's not the story of our Creator. That's not the story that God wanted to write in my life. And it's not the story that He wants you to live out in your life. He loves you with an everlasting love. When He says, come boldly to the throne of grace. Man, I never, I could not come boldly to the throne of grace. You know, 
I couldn't come boldly because I didn't feel, you know, I'm probably the only one in this room that felt like they needed to get things together so that they could come to Jesus. One of the funniest things to me in life is it's like, I don't know, if you're a pastor, it's like somehow people think, you know, I mean, it's perception, right? But, you know, going to, my, first of all, my wife doesn't like going to Walmart with me because I, I don't shop, I pastor, right, at Walmart. And so there's someone to talk to on every aisle, right? So, but the cool thing about COVID is you can go to the store incognito, right? I go in my jogging pants and with a ball cap and a mask and nobody even knows who I am anymore, right? Not that that's a good thing, but anyway, what was I talking about? I don't even know what I was talking about. Do what? Feeling like that we have to have it together in life in order to be, oh, that's, that's where the story was. When I'm in Walmart and people see me coming, it's like God in the Garden of Eden. They run and hide and put fig leaves on. You know what I'm saying? I know I haven't been to church in so long. You know, Pastor, please forgive me. I'm just like, look, I'm not judging you. I'm in the boat with you. You know what I'm saying? I haven't been to Sunday night service. Whatever, you know. But look, you don't have to confess to Pastor Cricket those things, right? He loves you. God loves you. It's not about jumping through all of the hoops all of the time. It's about learning how to be in a real relationship with a loving God who sees our brokenness and sees our needs. Listen, He sees the desires of your heart. He, he knows those things that you love and those things that you want to do in life. He knows those dreams that are in there. And let me tell you this. It's okay. He's excited about them too. You know, for so long in my life, I felt like I had to push those things, those things aside until I began to realize that God created me to be who I am. He didn't create me to be somebody else. I'm not supposed to be like somebody else. I'm supposed to be like Stephen. And I have to be okay with that. The enemy works to steal our God-given identity from us. And he keeps us chasing mirages all of our life. Misconceptions about who God is and what it is that God wants. Lies about who we are and who we're supposed to be. How many of you know that God wants to begin to erase those things from our life so that we can live a life that is fulfilled. We can live a life that's full of peace and joy and, 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 and unload anxiety and unload, unload all of these unrealistic expectations and know that we are all right with God. Now, God doesn't leave us the way that we are. You know, I have children. There were things that I didn't know about fathering until I became a father, right? Isn't it amazing how we're always experts about what we're not, Right? Well, when I have kids, I'm going to tell you how I'm going to raise those kids, right? I was over yesterday. I went by to my, my dad's house, and he was, it was the end of the Razorback basketball game. He's like, well, if I was the coach, I would have not let him shoot the, the last three-point shot, right? We're all armchair dads and husbands and coaches and all those things. But when we get into the position, how many of you know it's different? The perspective from there is different. The reality there is different. But God is for us, and God is with us, and God is on our side. And I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about why it is that we won't come near to God. I'm reminded of a story uh, in the New Testament in Luke chapter 10. 
There were two sisters, Mary and Martha, and you know the story, I'm sure, well. But these were friends of Jesus. And Martha opened the door and invited Jesus into her house. And when Jesus came into the house, the story reads that Martha was busy about many, many things. And she was doing them for Jesus, right? She was doing them for Jesus, right? I really think she thought she was doing all those things for Jesus. But Jesus didn't really want her doing all of those things. She was cooking and she was cleaning and she was baking and she was doing all those things for Jesus. She was doing all those things for the house. But yet, if you read the scripture, you see that she was a woman who was unfulfilled. She was a woman who was frustrated. She was a woman who was anxious. She was a woman who was not satisfied. Or she, and she wasn't happy. And her life was not filled with joy. And she came to Jesus and she said, Don't you care that I'm doing all of this stuff while my sister is over here sitting down doing nothing? And Jesus told her the key to life. The key to our life is not found in doing all of the stuff. The key to our life is being in relationship with Him. Listen, out of that relationship will come amazing things. But we get the cart before the horse. We try to build, and we try to do, and we try to run, and we try to be without being in relationship with Jesus. We have to get our life in the right priority. Because it's in being with Him. The Scripture says it's in Him that we live. It's in Him that we move. And it's in Him that we have our very existence. You know, when you think about the reasons why they did what they did, Martha had some beliefs in her life and in her heart that were causing her her to live a life well below what God intended for her to live. And so many of us myself included, have wrong perceptions of who God is and what it is that He wants for our life. Let me take just a minute to remind you of why Jesus came to the planet to begin with. Jesus came to the planet, we know the top priority was that we were broken and fallen and sinful and that, that we couldn't be in a relationship with our holy God, Father of Heaven. And He had to die on a cross and pay a price we could not pay, right? He had to shed His blood to pay for our sin and to make a bridge for us to be able to come from where we are into a relationship with God the Father. But that wasn't the only reason why Jesus came. Jesus also came to reveal something to us about God that had never been revealed before. See, the Israelites and the Jews knew God in a lot of different ways. He was, if you look at the Old Testament, He was Almighty God. He was El Elyon. You know, He was Yahweh. He was all of these things. But they believed that you couldn't even, you couldn't even utter His name. But when Jesus was here on the earth, He was having a conversation with the disciples one day. And, and one day Philip just said to Jesus, He's like, Jesus, show us the Father. And Jesus said, have I been with you so long and you haven't seen the Father? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And Jesus began to unwrap a revelation of God that was not known up until that time. And He said, I came to earth to show you who God really is. I came to show you that He is a loving Abba Father. And you are His children. Right? He said, you, he, and He began to teach them things like, when you pray, say what? Our 
Father. Automatically, that puts me in a different position when I come to Him because I can come to Him as Father. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be Your name. And He began to tell them that if you want to know what, the, what God is like, watch me. Everything I do and everything I say is an exact representation of who your Father in heaven is. He said, I'm not going to say anything and I'm not going to do anything unless the Father first has said it or the, the Father has done it. And what we see is that so many times in life that we attribute things to God that He doesn't have anything to do with. You know, even, I said this in the early service, but even the insurance company write into the legal documents Hurricanes, earthquakes, uh, wildfires, floods, all these are listed under a title, and the title is Acts of God. How many know those are not Acts of God? But the enemy has done such an amazing job of convincing us that God does things that He doesn't do, and He doesn't do the things that He does do. Right? So if you want to know what God really is like, just break open Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and begin to read how Jesus lived his life. Read what he did. Read what he said. Read how he reacted in every situation. And what you're going to find out is, huh, religion didn't teach me that. Huh, tradition didn't tell me that. How many of you know he said, come? He said, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Right? He didn't say to the adulteress that was cast at his feet, you shouldn't have been doing that. He said, come here because I am the Redeemer. Come to me. And then he began to pick her up and put her back together before he let her go off. If you want to know what God is like, if you want to know what the Father is like, then look at the life of Jesus. One thing you'll never find Jesus doing is creating storms and putting it into people's lives. Did he? If you can find it in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, tell me. But when he encountered storms, what did he do? He calmed the storms. Right? He didn't put disease on anybody. Don't say, God put this on me to teach me a lesson. <clears throat> I'm sorry. You don't find Jesus ever doing it one time. Jesus never put a disease on anybody. Never made anyone sick. He said he went about doing good, healing all. Delivering all. So when we think about God inviting us to come near to Him, to come close to Him, what He wants to do for us this year is He wants to begin to dismantle misconceptions, wrong beliefs that we have about who He is. Let me just say, all of us have had different journeys in life. Life has been extremely difficult and hard on some of us in this room. Life hasn't maybe been quite as hard in other people's view for some of us in this room, but we've all had a journey in life. And that journey in life, we have a, a God who loves us and we have an enemy who hates us. And from the very beginning, He has worked to try to keep us from the very thing that God created us for, which was to be in a real relationship with Him. And if you think back, just some of, some of the stories in the Bible, you can see that from the moment babies were birthed onto the earth, if the enemy can't keep a baby from being birthed on the earth, when that baby is birthed on the earth, 
he begins working overtime to try to keep that unique individual from experiencing life and life more abundantly. Life and life more abundantly is only a life that's lived in a real relationship with our Heavenly Father. You think about Jesus, remember? Herod was kill, trying, to, trying to kill him from the day he was born. You think about Moses. Pharaoh was trying to kill him from the day that he was born. And then, then Moses was raised actually in Pharaoh's house. And he, was, he, he lived under one of the cruelest, uh, cruelest leaders that, that ever lived. And what I'm saying is, is that in life, we have been imprinted by the people that are around us and the homes that we grew up in and the fathers that we had or we didn't have and the, and the mothers that we had or we didn't have and the experiences of life. See, the way God created the family unit in the beginning was that parents were supposed to be the image bearers of God to the next generation. See, parents are supposed to be reflectors, uh, a true reflector of who God really is. If, if I was the father that God created me to be, then, then my children would grow up and they would know so much about their heavenly father because I'm reflecting that to them. But the reality is that there is no perfect father earthly father and there is no perfect earthly mother and all of us have had things in our life that imprinted us things that may have wounded us things in life that may have hurt us things in life that caused us to have wrong perceptions and conceptions of who the true heavenly father is even even king david wrote this he said if my even if my mother and my father forsake me then god you will take me up See, the thing about it is, is we have to be careful that we don't let our life experiences overlay our relationship with God. Let me say it like this. Our relationship with God will always be limited by who we believe that he really is. And when he told when when Jesus asked the disciples, he said, uh, he said to them, he said, who do men say that I am? You remember that conversation? He said, who do men say that I am? And they said, well, you know, some people believe you're Elijah and some people believe you're Moses and some people say you're a great prophet and you're a great teacher. And he kind of stepped in right there and he said this. He said, but I want to know, who do you say that I am? Listen, it's not about religion. It's about a revelation of a relationship with a true and living God. Jesus came and walked this planet. He says, to us that he said, you do not have a high priest, him who is not touched with the feelings of your infirmities, who in all manner and in all ways was tempted and tried and suffered the way that you do. That's Jesus. That's our savior. He said, I identify. He came and walked the earth because he said, I can identify with you. I know what you're going through. I know what you're up against. I know what life has dealt you and how it's dealt it to you. But he said this, I need to know who do you say that I am? My question to you this morning is that. Who do you say that God is? Who is he to you? And Peter, of course, uncorked his mouth like he usually did. And in this case, it was the right thing. But he said, you're Christ. You're the Messiah. You're the son of the living God, right? And Jesus said, bingo. And then this is what he said. He said, no one on earth revealed that to you. That was a revelation that came from our father in heaven. So as he invites us to come near, as he invites us to come boldly to the throne, here's the amazing thing. It's going to take a revelation from the throne of God to help us know and understand 
who He is and who He's qualified us to be in His presence. Listen, life may have dealt you a really bad hand. You may have had some really bad experiences. But what I can tell you is this, no matter what your earthly family was like, no matter what your earthly walk was like, He is a good, good Father. And Scripture says this, it says, how, how many, how... Um, those of you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your Father in Heaven know how to give good gifts to His children? He's like, come. Come. All who are broken. All who are lonely. All who are self-righteous. You know, there's different types of people. My feeling in life, the battle that I always fought was I wasn't enough. There's some people whose battle in life, they think they're enough. More than enough. Right? But no, we need... Our Father in Heaven. If you don't mind starting some some music there. So He's inviting us this year into a place where, you know, realistically, there's a multitude of reasons why we don't come into the presence of God. But outside of His presence, we cannot find what we need. We can't find the provision we need. We can't find the fulfillment we need. We can't find the protection we need. We can't find the the direction that we need in our life. We can't find the peace that we're desiring. Oh my gosh, this world is so great at offering. Well, that didn't work. Well, here, maybe you need the the new model. Well, here, how about this? Why don't you buy this? Why don't you go here? Why don't you watch this? Why don't you listen to this? And we're so good at filling ourselves up with so many things that we don't have any room for the one thing that we were made for. And that we were created for. And you may be sitting here this morning and just say, you know what? I don't even sound good to me. I don't sound exciting. Sitting at Jesus' feet. It's okay. We start where we are. I say, God, I need to see you more clearly. God, I need a revelation of who you really are. God, come into my emptiness. God, come into... My distraction. God, come into my misconceptions and my wrong beliefs. God, come into my life and begin to reshape my heart. Come into my heart, to my life and begin to help me renew my mind to truth and to right. And how do you do that? You you do what you can to lay aside the false pretenses and, and the mask and be okay with the fact that You're not perfect and you don't have it all together. And maybe you don't even really know how to communicate with God. God can handle it. He's okay with it. He's not bothered by my mistakes. Anybody in here besides me as a Christian feel like God God has grace for other people, but He runs short when it comes to me? You know? Or you have something that's reoccurring in your life that you know that's displeasing to the Lord. And you come to the altar and you repent and you ask God to forgive you and you follow it up with this statement, hey God, I'll never do it again. Anybody ever done that? Let me see your hand. It's just confession time. I'll be honest. And then what? Before next Sunday, you done done it again. And we, we get into this place where we feel like, well, I can't go back to God because I got to get it right before I can go back to God. We can't get it right before we go back to God. 
We can't fix anything in our life without Him. We don't have what we need. That's why He says, come boldly before the throne of grace to find mercy and to find help in our time of need. So He's saying this year, come near. Come near. That's hard for some of us because we don't think we look very good and we don't like what we've been carrying and we don't like how we've been acting and we don't really even know what it is to come to Him and we're kind of embarrassed by the fact that we haven't, we don't have a Bible time, we don't have a prayer time and maybe I've not been faithful to church or, or whatever or I have all these things that I've been hiding in my life from everyone because I'm so ashamed of all of that. And He says, Come. Come. Because only when you come near to me can you receive what I have for you. I can't give you what I have for you when you're distant from me. He says, come, because I want to touch you. Everyone he touched, he made right. Everyone he touched, he made whole. He can't touch us if we don't allow him through the door into our life. He says, come close to me because I want to talk to you. Any of you ladies ever tried to talk to your husband and they were across the room? They're like, what? What? I can't hear what you're saying. Is that frustrating, lady? The closer we are, the better we can hear. Come. He has words of life. His son, Jesus, was 12 years old. Remember, and he stayed back at the temple. And his mom and dad came looking for him and said, What are you doing? He's like, I must be about my father's business, right? She said, you better get in the car. I'm your mama. I brought you in this world. I'll take you out. He was 30 years old. I think it's kind of funny. Let me say this too. And then it was like, remember they were at the wedding and they came to, you know, Mary came to Jesus and she's just like, help them out. He's like, Mother, it's not my time. She's like, you've been telling me it's your time since you were 12 years old. You better get to doing a miracle, right? And he did, didn't he? But when he was 30 years old, he had not even started in ministry. He, he, he had not in, in, in physical ministry. And he was, he was baptized by John the Baptist in the River Jordan. And I, I, I want to drive, I want you to leave here with this today. And that is this. The first time we heard his father in heaven say anything to him over his life on earth was when he was baptized. And this is what the father in heaven said. He said, this is my beloved or loved son in whom I am well pleased. Not one miracle, not one healing, not one anything yet. It wasn't performance-based. It was all relationship. He said, this is my son. My son. What he's saying to you today is this. I'm not inventorying your life. David said this. He said, God, if you you judged us according to our sins, no no one could stand before you. He's not inventorying your life today, putting you in categories, saying, I love this one more and this one less. And if you'll just step across this line, if you'll finally get here, you'll be acceptable in my sight. And, you know, I love this pastor more than you and this one. Well, look at what they've done. And you're insignificant. Now, what he's saying is, you are my beloved son. You're my beloved daughter. I accept you. I'm well 
well pleased, but you don't know. How many of you feel that? You feel that rise up, and I can't get off here. You feel that rise up within you. It's like, I know, but you don't know. I know, but you don't, you don't know what I've thought. You don't know what I've said. You don't know what I, how I've acted. You don't know what I haven't done. You, do, you don't know what I have done. Those are the serpent in the garden that's trying to convince you that you have to be and do to be loved and accepted by your Father. And you don't. All you have to do is come. All who are weary, come. All who are thirsty, come. All who are broken, come. He wants you to come close so that you can see his face. You ever went to a a concert or to a conference or to a sporting event? And if you're like me, you know, I don't usually get the box seats or the front row seats. I just do good to get in the stadium. You ever sit up there by the blimp, you know, in the top? And you're looking down on what's taking place down there and you can see the action. You can see what's going on. So many times it's what Christian and Christians and believers is how we live our life. We look on from afar. We look on and we can see it down there. But there's a difference in being in the nosebleed section and sitting on the front row. Because when you sit on the front row of a concert, you can look into the eyes of the one who's there. You can, you can read the emotions. You can see the mouth moving. You can see face to face. And God wants us in 2021 to be a people that move from the nosebleed section in our life to the front row with Him because He wants to show us His face. Bring it all. Bring it all. It's the only place to get it right. It's the only place to get it fixed. Scripture says that when God asked Moses what he wanted, Moses said, he said, I want to see your face. He didn't say bigger cars, greater lands, all that stuff. He said, I want to see your face. He said, show me your glory, which that word there actually means goodness. Show me your goodness. And what you're going to be surprised to find is no matter what your earthly father was like, maybe he was distant. Maybe he was abusive. Maybe he was angry. Maybe he was disinterested. Or maybe he was as good as he could be to you. And maybe he did as much as he could for you, but it still left you empty. And it still didn't meet the needs in your life. What you'll find out is that when you come close to your heavenly father and you look at his face, you're not going to find anger and you're not going to find displeasure and you're not going to find dissatisfaction. You're going to find grace. And you're going to find love. And you're going to find help. And you're going to find mercy. And you're going to find goodness. And you're going to find encouragement. And you're going to find wholeness. And you're going to find that He receives us. And then... So kind of the motto of my life these days is, you know, I don't do things for God anymore. I do them with Him. I don't do things for God anymore. Because He doesn't need me to do them for Him. He just told me He wants to do life with me. So when I fall, He picks me up. When I mess, <clears throat> when I mess it up, He forgives me. And when I don't know which way to go, He's got my hand. He can help me get there. It's a much better place to be, to be in a real relationship than to living a life of religion. Close your eyes if you will. I just want to pray for you. Father, I thank you this morning that you're a good father. 
that in this moment there is a supernatural move of the Holy Spirit in our lives in this room, God. Revealing what only you can reveal. Just put your hands on your eyes. Just just lay your hand across your eyes like this right here. Just pray this prayer. Just say, God, open my eyes. God, open my eyes. I want want my testimony to be that I once was blind, but now I see. God, open my eyes to your goodness. God, open my eyes to you as Father. God, open my eyes, God, to the things that I believe that aren't right. God, open my eyes to truth. Because when I know the truth, it makes me free. God, give me eyes to see. Lay your hands on your ears. Say, God, give me ears to hear. God wants to speak to you this year in ways that you've never heard Him before because you choose to come near. You choose to not replace Him with so many other things. You you choose to come and sit at His feet. And if you will, then God will speak words of life. God will speak creative words of life into your family, into your marriage, into your situation, into your future. God, give us ears to hear. Then lay your hand on your heart. Right there on your heart and say, God, Take out the heart of stone. God, take out the the wrong, the misconceptions, the misperceptions, the wrong belief, the hardness. God, I, I come to you. God, I open wide my heart. I open the door of my heart. I hear you knocking. I ask you to come in. Oh, my house is a mess. Oh, everything in my house is, is not the way it needs to be. God, every room, every door in this house, I open it to you. Come on in. Come on in and have your way. Come on in and do what you need to do. God, expose it to me. Show me, God, what I need in your love. God, walk with me. God, I want to walk with you. God, thank you for loving me. God, I thank you, God, for healing hearts. God, I thank you, God, that you're the redeemer and the lover of our souls. Nothing on earth I desire could ever compare with you. Bless your people. Bless your sons and daughters, God. Let them carry a revelation, God, of your goodness with them all the days of their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen.